Welcome to episode 50. Well, we made it halfway to 100 episodes. We're half a century. <laughs> How cool is that? And to have over 13,000 downloads in 10 months is amazing. I'm truly so grateful. Thank you. Remember, next year, we're going for 100,000 downloads. So, please share this episode if you learn something new or know someone that this could help. And speaking of, today's show is for those that really just want a bit of hope for the future of healthcare with a profoundly functional approach that's customized to your personal reality. If you've been put in a box by a doctor or any practitioner for that matter, or told your story wasn't real or your pain wasn't real or it's all in your head, then I guarantee you today's guest and his approach and methods are a breath of fresh air. So let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome to another show. I have a really impressive guest jumping on here today, and I'm super excited to share with you what he has to share with you because it's phenomenal and it's so in line with what we normally talk about on this show. But before I introduce him, I just want to do a quick thank you to my listeners in both Germany and Mexico, two very different cultures, but with one thing in common. They both listen to my show. <laughs> so uh, these are two new appearances in the list of countries that my podcast is being listened to. So I just wanted to take a moment moment to extend a very big thank you to my healthy friends across the very large pond. <laughs> uh, speaking of across the pond, I would like to introduce today's guest, Dr. Anthony Beck, whom is a functional medicine physician from Windmere in Florida in the USA. Dr. Beck is the founder and director of the Balance Protocol Institute, which gives you the opportunity to opt out of conventional medicine and learn how to correct and prevent the vast majority of your health problems through addressing underlying causation, which is of course something that I speak a lot about on this show. Dr. Beck has over 20 years experience in functional medicine, clinical nutrition, systems biology, epigenetics, and nutrigenomics. And with all that knowledge and experience, he's here with us today. So welcome to the show, Dr. Beck. What's happening, my brother, across the pond? <laughs> Not much, man. It's, it's early. It's early here, early Friday morning. Nice, nice. Well, it's 5 p.m. I'm winding up my, my patient and day today so it's good to uh you can do the last one and then i get to go play at walt disney world here in just a minute oh, i'm so jealous especially since i'm starting a friday <laughs> <laughs> That's good. before I j we jump into some questions i just want to know as a podcaster myself how was it doing a podcast on the model health show with sean stevenson super famous guy oh he's wonderful man he's just got a heart of gold beautiful wife lovely sons and he's just he's just golden man i, I, I loved it when i was on a show and um I'd love to be back. Just waiting for that invite. But uh, anyways, um, you know, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a, it's a great um, uh, platform for him. Super proud of him. He's one of the, um, the folks that I really uh, love, adore, and respect for sure. Yeah, he's amazing. So hundreds of, or millions of people listen to his show and it's, yeah, he's got such a placid nature in the way that he delivers his content. Yeah. You know, and his partner, Jade, she's awesome. You know, they just bring an amazing dynamic that, uh, you know, the model health show but it's also a you know a model podcast show that's how you do it man he's, he's just he's good good people totally it was great 
and we, we helped him with a bunch of his stuff and things. And, uh, that's why, you know, he and I got together was because he had some challenges back in the day and, uh, we got those rock and roll and he wanted to have me on uh, for this audience, you know, so pretty neat stuff. Yeah, nice. And I guess speaking of some of your stuff, can you tell us a little bit about your own journey to becoming a functional medicine doctor? Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, is, um, you know, started back in the, uh, you know, mid nineties and, uh, just, the way I looked at the body has a lot to do with uh, how I grew up. Um, humble means, country boy in North Carolina. A lot of going on. What I saw happen to my mom's health. Um, that story is out there quite a bit, so I won't bore your audience with it. But um, yeah, so my thing is, is I always wanted to, you know, look at the body from a systems point of view, from a pattern recognition point of view, not a you know disease state point of view. And, uh, you know, expand the, uh, the way that we look at the patients uh, and arrival at these imbalances or clinical complaints um, in, in, a, in a different way. And I didn't I never was like a, a poo pooing, you know, is what I call it on conventional medicine and the drugs and surgery. They have their place. Um, but then, of course, I'm not an alternative medicine guy. I don't really use the term holistic. Those are fine for some people. Um, Functional medicine is actually an integrative medicine model, systems biology. Um, but even within that, functional medicine as a standalone by itself is actually not enough. I mean, it's, it, it is a philosophy. It is a uh, way of looking at things, but it doesn't really um, give you the framework that I use. I, I kind of do that. So I, I use the, the functional medicine moniker as a designator of looking at the fact that there's interconnectivity of systems and that everybody has a biochemical individuality and genetic uniqueness, but how I approach the evaluation and application um, is, is solely my framework because oftentimes um, in medicine, people won't arrive at the diagnosis and then treat that like you have Hajimoto's um, and they don't question you know how you got there. They just treat that. Well, in functional medicine, you got people out there who will do a very similar thing. They just use a different medicine cabinet. They'll say, well, okay, well, we're going to give you some, you know, some dietary supplements or the Hajimoto's diet. Well, that's an absolute fallacy, right? So that, that just really doesn't work. So they'll, they'll call it, say, functional medicine, but they're just using the same broken model. So um, my arrival to where I'm at now and how I practice, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's actually 25 years now, come to think of it. And um, it was through just thousands and tens of thousands of patients and looking at them uh, as a category of one, as an individual entity with a story that trans uh, across all, all kinds of aspects in their life, their environment, their lifestyle, their mindset, and their nutrition uh, for, for years. And um, so I arrived at the way that I approach things now by being taught by my patients, by looking at their story and realizing that it was really important to get some objective data outside of the subjective data of, this, of the uh, patient intake and you know, do labs, not just let's look at the, the gut or let's just look at food allergies or you actually have to do all of those. You, know, you have to assess all the systems. So that's how I arrived at it, is realizing that uh, everybody is a category of one and everyone is complex and have their own context. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you take more of an inter integrative approach because I think something that I've definitely learned on my journey is that um, sort of putting people in their in their respective silos of opinion, like, you know, holistic or nutritional or, you know, all these separate 
entities, let's say, um, really just creates conflict between all the different modalities and when they've all got their relevant place. Yeah. And, and that's how it is in, in the nutritional world. You know, it's become very heavily littered um, with the digital marketers. And, you know, I'm, I'm a clinician and a healer and a philanthropist and I'm, I'm learning to market because, you know, I'm a capitalist also. So, you know, I don't I want to get my message out to people just like you do. And we find each other and we share that. and There's a synergy. But there also exists a little dark side. And that is, you know, people wanting to offer something that uh, you know, just monetizes. So they got to keep it very super niche down to, a, to one thing and a simple solution. Um, and so the, the downside is, is that people will, will pick a diet um, like ketogenic or vegan or carnivore or Mediterranean or some other different construct. And they're, they're approaching those in the absence of any quantification, they're just doing it because they were sold the narrative that it's healthy or it's the best for humans or it's better for the planet or some other narrative other than we have determined that it is the correct one for you at this particular juncture in your life. <laughs> so, and, and, and that's really where the rubber hits the road for me is, is, you know, I, I, I've been leveraging all those types of diets for decades, uh, but we select the approach based upon objective clinical findings across multiple systems assessed and that's how you truly know or you can just keep you know trying try this and try that and i did some intermittent fasting and i did some ketogenic and i did the blood type and all these things and um people spin their wheels quite a bit and they get frustrated by the time uh, they get around to just seeing the likes of me do you think that people subscribe or prescribe to themselves to these particular diets or fads because they lack a sense of self-identity and, and therefore when the new thing pops up, they get to one, outsource their responsibility and be part of a community that outsources their responsibility to the latest thing that they can identify themselves as? Oh man, I'm going to tell you right now, I love you. And the reason is because you said that profoundly accurate. That is the, absolutely what it is. That is the lore. Because think about it, you know, you, you want to, you try this thing and everybody else is doing it and sharing each other's stuff. You've got community and purpose and, and commonality. So yeah, that is a big draw for that. You, you could not have spoken more true words and that's what happens. You know, I mean, just look at Facebook and the groups that are dedicated to that particular diet. And then if anybody comes in there to learn about it and objects to it or challenges it, woo, they get lit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trolls for days. <laughs> oh, man. And you know, I have the dubious spot of being, you know, hence my program, Balance Protocol, the guy of balance. I'm going, they're all useful. So, you know, so everybody, <laughs> I'll say everybody, but a lot of them disagree with me. They're like, no, nah, man, you got to pick sides. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, it's, I'm all about the individual. So they do, they lack individual identity and my entire uh, position is to be non-dogmatic and to say, hey, listen, you are that category of one. You need to figure out what is right for you specifically. Don't live vicariously through other people. You, you absolutely have to, first of all, increase your self-awareness for sure. Yeah, and I, I kind of, in many ways, run into the same thing being the guy in the middle because I always talk about the fact, because um, I mainly deal with nutrition, diet, um, and 
primarily really is psychology. Um, but I have a lot of people say, what diet should I do? And I'm, I'm always, I always say I'm diet agnostic and people just are uncomfortable with that. I know, me too. That's why I think we're together, man. It's, a, it's that same kind of a feel. And, you know, and, and on that note, see, that's the other thing is that, like I just said, the, my four factors of environment, lifestyle, mindset, nutrition. So mindset's huge, right? So that's also one of the contributory factors of why certain diets do work for people at a certain time because of the biology of belief and how the power of the mind. And, you know, we've got in science, we have to account for placebo. Um, oftentimes people don't account for nocebo. Just like if you say, oh, yes, this is totally going to work. Okay, it'll work. If you say, nope, not going to work, not going to work, this ain't touching nothing, whatever, and that work, that's the same thing. So the mind and uh, is, 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 is an absolute central component to it as well, which is, goes back to what you were just saying, is, is uh, that's the usefulness of self-identifying into these groups of other people who are doing the same thing. Um, you get that physiological benefit of the mindset that comes along with it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking my language with uh, some Bruce Lipton references there. Oh, I, love, I love Bruce. He's such a cool cat. He's, he's, really, he's just really good. <laughs> you, you can't not, right? <laughs> um, so, I'm curious, at what point did you realize there was sort of an issue with the um, conventional perspective or the conventional model surrounding health and disease? Like, when did you realize? Uh, when, I was, when I was a young boy, um, because I grew up, my mom was a type 1 diabetic. When I was old enough to figure out why she was, you know, drawing little insulin, these little orange capped syringes into her belly every dog one day, um, she said, yeah. So the story was she had a, a nasal infection. She went to the doctor's office and they shot her up with a big old shot of steroids and they didn't know it was a fungal infection, put her in a coma. When she came out, her pancreas was basically, not was dead, but didn't produce insulin anymore. So she was a uh, convinced medicine-induced type 1 diabetic for the rest of her life. So then now when you add that on top of the fact that, you know, she smoked two packs of cigarettes a day and she was an alcoholic, ooh, she had a cocktail, right? She had a, a thing going on. Didn't have the best of health and stuff. Now, fortunate enough for me, when I was uh, 11 years old, she, she became sober. She went to AA, got a white chip, never looked back. Two years later, stopped smoking cold turkey, bam, never looked back. So... Um, I watched what that does on the good side of when someone gets their health back. Now, thank goodness we lived out in the country, we gardened, we canned, and that kind of fun stuff. We did, you know, have a microwave and we did some of those hot dogs with, you know, cheese in them, that kind of stuff. So we weren't perfect by any means, but. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Yeah, right. So, if, and, and the thing was, is, you know, she I, she didn't take me to the doctors <laughs> because we didn't have the money to go. She took me to the dentist, though. So I have amazingly perfect teeth. But, so that's where I realized. You know, she, don't, don't go to doctors because that's where you go to die or get sick or lose your pancreas. And uh, they are, they, I would tell people today, they save a lot of lives. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> they do wonderful, amazing things. But they are statistically the third leading cause of death, at least in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I learned early on by looking at what happened to my mom's story that that wasn't the deal. Um, and then, of course, I was going to uh, uh, the school at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, I was working to get a commission in the military. I was going to fly jets. It was the, day of, the days of Top Gun. And uh, that's what I wanted to be. And I got rear-ended in my little 86 Chevy Sprint driving down the highway. 
And uh, my mom was like, well, listen, you need to go to my chiropractor. So I went to a chiropractor, and this lady was the biggest doggone chiropractor I've seen in my life. She was like 6'2". She was big. She freaking pow, dropped my clothes back in place, did some stuff, put me on some e-stems, and, uh, and all that kind of fun stuff. And man, woo, I was like, that's what I'm talking about. But it was limited to that. So I had an early influence, again, due to my mom and that. Uh, my mom was somewhat of a, uh, what I call a, a fruity biscuit. You know, she loved things like, I always have to start doing my voice like this, like, you know, past life regressions and crystals and pendulums and dowels and things and Edgar Casey and remedies and stuff, right? Um, but I was like, no, nah, mom, that's all a little, that's a little out of my, uh, little out of my league. But <clears throat> she uh, really influenced me to, you know, nature. And so herbs and homeopathics and those kind of things, they all have their place, but they're primarily acute care things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of where it came to be. I realized that that wasn't which way I wanted to go either. I wanted something a little bit more banging power. So um, when I decided, when I ended up you know meeting my now ex-wife, I walked away from a commission in the military, and you know of course I had to pivot and you know, pick a new career, which is what I did. And so all that kind of culminated. Yeah, pretty interesting. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you'll receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook, And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah, wow. That's um that's a interesting story and and it's good that you were exposed to all of that stuff at such such a young age. Like so many people don't uh, ever experience that in their lives and I I work at a hospital myself and um I work with doctors that will never be open to that kind of stuff. Yeah. And 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 that's a shame, but that's okay. You know, there's there's a ton of patients that aren't open to it either, so they'll find each other. Yeah. But the great news is is those who are will find people like us. And, you know, we'll fulfill our passion and destiny and purpose and, you know, uh, transform lives. It's great. So there's need for both. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've come to accept that reality as well, that there are plenty of people that um, align with the conventional model of chronic disease and therefore that's the only thing that would ever be able to help them anyway. And it comes back to the biology of belief stuff. Yeah. yeah and then, but unfortunately, they're backward that they know better than that. And quite frankly, even in the conventional medicine uh, world, they will actually report, even in their own medical literature, that lifestyle and environment has huge impacts on a person's state of health or correction ability thereof. The problem is, is their model is an acute care model that does not afford 
the time with the patient because somebody else is paying for it. That's what happens in the diabolicalness of socialized medicine or in, you know, here in the United States where it's, you know, a third party reimburser, you get 7.6 minutes with the patient and that's it. There's no time to talk about, you know, how you breathe, how you move your body, what's your sleep, what's your circadian rhythm doing, you know, what are you doing to protect yourself from EMFs and, and, and reducing that in the local environment, how you're eating. So there's just not enough time in the patient encounter. So it's a broken model because of that, right? Um, and so, of course, they don't, they, don't, they don't, by default of the way they approach things, they're in the now business. They come, Somebody comes in with a complaint and they expect the doctor to give them something for it. And so uh, it's not just the doctor's fault. It's also uh, the patients who are used to that approach. Oh, totally. And the the stories that uh, mum and dad and grandma and grandpa have educated us and, our, and, you know, they're educating their children on. So, those belief systems are deeply ingrained through generations and generations. Mm-hmm. That's true. And the pattern repeats itself. But the neat thing about access uh, that we have now in the digital age, there's more information, which has inherently drawn back things too, right? Because, you know, now it's that's one of the biggest things I get asked all the time is, is, Oh my gosh, well, who do I believe? And I say, well, first of all, don't believe me. You need to learn to believe yourself. You need to know your own story. You need to quantify it. You need to qualify it. You need to measure and monitor. So I call it Q square M square. And so you've got to make decisions based upon data. It's the reason why we choose our, choose our mates, right? We date for a while. So we know where it's like, (laughs) right? We try on shoes before we do it. We just don't go, well, uh, I need some shoes. And they bring you out a size 24. I'm like, hold on a second. And then in the shoes, here's your right side. Okay, you know, you know, there's sandals. And like, um, there's snow outside. Well, no, you need some boots. So you, you, it really is, see, that's one of those patterns. You have to know what you're up against, right? So th- th- therein lies the difference. We have no lack of information. But good Lord, people have got to stop getting their information from Reddit and Facebook threads and Google searches and from all these bloggers, um, good heavens, there's no context of them in there. They're just treating things all based upon false presupposition. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I guess, is that part of the reason why we need to change the way we think about health and disease? That's exactly why. Yeah. Because I, I and, and, and again, I'm not just pontificating here. I'm, this is what my patients have taught me. I've always been famous for saying my greatest teachers and what I've learned the most from is my patients. Um, you know, 60% have been women and the other 40% have been, you know, men. And you learn a lot. You know, you, you go through things and you actually have a, an extended period of time in the patient encounter because they're paying for my time, not you know, some third party. And you get to ask more questions and you got to eat the, you know, got to answer, ask the right questions. That's why it's all about critical thinking, um, which is why I love the Critical Thinking Foundation. Shameless plug for that. If you want to understand about mindset, you got to learn to ask the right questions. There's an art to it. There is a science to it of being able to ask the right questions to elucidate a certain response. And then now you have data to proceed with another quest. That's scientific method at its greatest. And so the thing about it is, is, uh, biggest take home for me is for people is to to realize that you have to find out more about you and make a determination on facts not presupposition i was saying referring to your comment before about you know there's no shortage of information um it's it's so so hard to change that 
that uh, that culture of googling your symptoms or um, just treating your body as if it's a car going to a mechanics workshop where you just you just stop off and have have that particular thing fixed and then you know re-enter your normal life fully repaired. It's like really hard, I think, to change that way of thinking. Yeah, because what it's it's really easy now in the access to the information. So what you'll do is is you'll quote Google, um, you know, fatigue, skin dryness, rash headache, this, right, right, and these terms, what people don't realize is the, the, the search engine is not bringing you back those correct terms. They're bringing you back informatics that were paid for by the person who wanted to buy that term. So they get, by purchasing, top of mind awareness associated with that. So if you give them up there, you know, chronic diarrhea, fatigue, and you put in some other things in there, and wh- whoever, whatever marketer bought that, that Google AdWord gets to tell you what the problem is and of course give you the solution. So I learned back when there were things called textbooks and libraries and the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> Me too. Card catalogs, right? So there's a big difference, right? But then, but then people go, well, I read books. Well, now self-publishing is really easy. Anybody can be an, an author, which makes them an authority. So if you yeah. and you're passionate about low FODMAP diets or, you know, lectins and all the stuff you just write a book on it and then you publish it and then now you must know what you're talking about that's not how it used to be it is now so yeah there's lots of information it's information overload um so i teach people the litmus of you gotta you know q square m square yourself into that and see if it fits or not most people don't realize that uh, half of those people didn't even write their own books. They just sent some audio files to a ghostwriter online and had them throw it together. That's why every second person is an author these days. Man, we are, that, dude, I, I respect so much that you said that because I get so much flack for telling that truth out there. And it's the truth, man. You know, you got people who are writing, writing these books that they didn't write them. And all these health blogs, they have staff of writers. They're not writing any of that stuff. They're not. They don't know what's going on. It's totally true. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about the truth. <laughs> um, so what, what exactly needs to happen, happen to shift the perspective of both medical pro- professionals and the public in the context of disease? How do you think or what do you think needs to happen to make the transition from looking at it as a long-term holistic problem as opposed to treating it with the conventional acute approach? We already covered it. Self-awareness. That's it. People got to become more self-aware. They have to realize that they're in they're in, in, in individual category of one. That's it. So self-awareness, because that's going to drive things, right? Um, so when you become more self-aware, you can start you know, doing the introspection that you need and hold yourself accountable. And that's one of the things that I'm also always saying is, is I encourage people to, to demand a higher level of healthcare from their providers. Okay. Um, it's not like it's okay to have a big fat coach to teach you play football. That's fine. That's a different story. Right. But the people who you should get your health care from should first of all not you know have health problems, right? The thing is as a patient, you need to heal thyself. At the end of the day, you're the only person who can make you well. And so you have to use the litmus of self-awareness that, hey, I need to show I need to come up with some data in quantification, as we call it, as to why this I'm, I'm doing this and not by a Google search that was like we were talking about paid for. You've got to do assessments, right? You've got to get some objective data to substantiate what you're doing. Don't just pick one thing like, okay, we're going to do a digestive stool analysis or I'm going to do a U-biome test or I'm going to do my 23andMe. 
people, you can't just pick one thing. You have to pick all those. It's a bigger approach if you're ever going to do it. So the self-awareness, the aha moment um, is where you got to start. And that's the only way it's going to change because patients have to demand the change in the care, not the money makers, not managed medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the big word in everything you just said is introspection. Um, I think, yeah, if people start stop outsourcing their responsibilities, stop outsourcing their thoughts, their, you know, people don't even think for themselves these days. They rely on social media to, you know, uh, create their opinions and thoughts about the world and beliefs about the world. And I think introspection is such a therapeutic process, whether it's emotional healing, physical healing, physical investigation, you know, transformation, whatever it is. That's it. 100% agree with you on that. So, we're almost at about time. This has been a really good chat, but where can people find you online? Well, real easy. It's my name. It's what, it's what my mom and my daddy gave me. So, But I just added a couple letters at the beginning of it. Dr. Anthony G. Beck, E-R-A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-G-B-E-C-K.com. That's my website. You can reach me there if they're interested to you know, chat with me or something like that. Uh, they can reach me through there um, on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me under that same uh, moniker there. I've got a fantastic group on Facebook that people can come and uh, ask me and my team of uh, physicians who I've personally trained. MDs, DOs, chiropractors, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, they've all trained in balanced protocol. They all help me answer questions in there. So it's a great resource. Um, and so that's where people can find me. Really easy, nice and approachable. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome that you've trained uh, all those medical professionals too. I might have to uh, look into that. Yeah, that's it. So I, I have a, a basically a, a preceptorship program and uh, clinicians and health coaches, they come and they, they learn balanced protocol or functional medicine as I apply it uh, in the film thing. And I help them build you know practices and businesses that can really transform lives using like, utilizing balanced protocol. Um, so that that's my thing now is, is just that's the secondary thing if I can keep going on that question is, is uh, we, we, we have to bring more people into it that will provide that type of care. So that's what I do. And they're all over the, uh, all over the world. Yeah, that's amazing. So I really appreciate your time here today. And I guess for all of the listeners as well, like I'll put all of your links and details in the show notes below. And remember, guys, if you learned anything from this episode, be sure to share it with a friend, take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story or whichever social media app that you prefer. And be sure to tag us both so that we know who is listening and we can uh, say a hi to you online. Um, and I love to wrap up with this question, Dr. Beck. What is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? Hmm. I would pro- well, I would probably say you know uh, an awareness of their you know te- looking at looking to their environment uh, when it comes to things like electromagnetic fields, light, sound. I think people get caught up in in the, just the nutrition, um, and I, I really the, what you have command and control over in your environment when it comes to all the effects that light has us on immunity and circadian rhythm and hormones and how the brain works, uh, sound, uh, noise, vibration, things like that, all those energies. And of course, you know, in, in this digital age, we're just polluted. 
So as you could probably hear on this episode, we had a bit of trouble with the audio and we had a bit of a technical glitch and the end of Dr. Beck's message was unfortunately chopped off. But he he was pretty much talking about that well-rounded functional approach that he shared throughout the episode to take into consideration all of the variables that impact your biology, not just the food you put in your body, not just the beverages that you put into your body or the cigarettes, but you know everything that's around you, the things that are traveling through the air, the Wi-Fi the air that you breathe in, you know, the just the, the stresses on your body. They're not just the things that enter our body through means of food. So, remember that when you're going about your every single day. Stress, sleep, light, all of these things have an impact on our biology. And, of course, to wrap up, Dr. Beck shared a lovely, lovely goodbye and a a share of gratitude. So, I was so lucky to connect with him on this episode and all of his details, as usual, are of course going to be in the show notes below and I really hope that you can go and follow him on Instagram and his relevant social media platforms because he really is an amazing human and it was cool to hang out with somebody that's just kind of, you know, positive and not too nerdy and not too hardcore and not too serious and just wanted to hang out and talk about health. Like, it was really cool. So, hopefully, we'll be able to get him on another future episode and hopefully that we will well not hopefully but we will definitely make sure that the audio quality is better for round two because I have no doubt that the message that Dr. Beck wishes to share for the next episode is going to be far more profound than, than this introductory episode to his work so stay tuned for the next one I will catch you guys soon thanks for sticking around for our 50th episode and remember all the details that you might need are in the show notes below Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.